the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Rob Black and your money. I'm talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Just drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. That's rob at robblackshow.com. I do webinars that you can find out more at robblack.com. I do seminars. You can find out more at robblack.com. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great. How are you? Good. I should have just stopped asking you that, shouldn't I? Yeah, we probably should. We know we're, we know we're both good, right? Um, I've got diarrhea. <laughs> Too much information. So I'm I'm a little bit more honest. So anyway, um. Now you now you wish you didn't ask, huh? Yeah, definitely. So let's talk assumptions in retirement. Uh, that's that's a fair like big picture topic because I think I know what retirement's going to look like, but I really don't have a clue. And I've started playing with the idea of ret- what retirement's going to look like by doing a little more charity work and things like that. But that's not seven days a week. That's not you know twelve months of the year. Let's talk about assumptions in retirement. What do we need to know? Let's talk about the dangerous ones. And um, you know, Christine Benz, a Morningstar columnist, did a great article that I talked about on on the noon show the other day, and I added a couple of more in there. One of one of the ones that I see most often that she even talked about was the mm, "I'll just work later." And um, now this often does make sense. So there's some there's certain times when the assumption is right when when you know, my planners sit down with people and say, okay, you're not quite ready for retirement, but for every year that you work, it actually buys you about three years' worth of income in retirement. So if you're running your financial plan and you're running out of money at age like 92, um, you work one more year, it'll probably get you through age 95. You work two more years, 98. And you want to have enough money to last till age 100. So in a sense, that's okay, but the problem is that I'm seeing in, in America and seeing from all these studies from the Employee Benefits Institute to Fidelity is that people are using that idea of I'll just work later, and they're combining it with the, I'll just save later. And that, you and I both know that the biggest mistake people make is waiting to save money. 
Um, it's sure. so much so much more effective to save 100 bucks a month when you're 22 than it is 500 bucks a month when you're 50. So be very very careful because you can't just think you're going to work later. You might not physically be able to work later. You might not mentally be able to work later in life. And a lot of people say, I'll work till I'm 75. Well, you might start kind of losing it, but you won't know it, right? I mean, our grandparents or mom, maybe she, when she started to slip mentally, she might not have really realized it. Um, there's a lot of age discrimination in the Bay Area, I've noticed, too, um, with, you know, you get a get a layoff, you take take a severance package, you think you'll go find another job. Well, you might not be able to. So don't just make that good, assumption. A good example of that is I'm of the age where I know a lot of people that work at Yahoo and Excite and, you know, the 1998.comer or Web 1.0. And as they lost their jobs, they've become like app developers because they can't get a job at Facebook or Google because they're too old. Mm-hmm. And one woman was complaining about it to me. She wants to buy a home in the Bay Area, but she'd have to pay all cash, and they don't have that kind of money. And she's like, and and, and my husband can't go get a work at, at job at Facebook because he's a kind of like wrong age. I'm like, wow. So there's some definite age discrimination. Just supporting you on that. Yeah, I mean, you just have to grow a beard and put on some glasses that aren't actually prescription glasses. They're totally clear, and as long as you look like a hipster, you might be able to do a little bit better, right? Those hipsters are your potential clients. I know it. I know it. Um, The other bad assumption that's out there is you'll receive an inheritance. And this is something I saw, you know, early on in my career, 22 years ago, you know, when starting with my grandfather, all his clients were either older than him. And it was kind of like that business, as you know, didn't, wasn't working out pretty well because I had a, a lot of these clients that were in their eighties, they lived through the depression. They were very wealthy, but they lived off their social security check. And you had these, kids that were, I'll be okay because I'll get money from mom and dad. And then mom and dad go into a nursing home and they spend eighty dollars to $100,000 a year on care and the inheritance is wiped out. So it's really a bad idea to include inheritance in your financial plan when people insist on it and they know they're going to get something. Well, what if you tick off mom or dad and they write you out of the will? What if they decide to give all their money to charity? Ugh, it's just not not a good way to to run with your retirement plan. We had a grandmother in my family that she had a farm and oil well, a lot of cash, great savings, real estate. And we were afraid that as she got up to like 91, 92, her husband passed away in 93, 94, and then she ultimately dies at 95. But we were afraid the church was going to, I mean, they were sending a, a guy over every week to talk to her and hold her hand and we were like, please don't sign everything over to, to the church. Like, well, the other one because we're not physically we're not physically there saying, you know, we're listening to you. Um, I don't know how common that is, but it, it was out there. It, well, the things that I've seen a lot is mom or dad die in their 60s, they get remarried in their 70s, don't do any estate planning, and they pass away. And guess who gets everything? Stepmom or stepdad. <laughs> so. Yep. Especially if it's in a 401k, and even you know if you're named as beneficiary on the 401k, um, you know spouse has to sign off on that. And if stepmom or stepdad doesn't, then not a good thing. They can claim that 401k. So you have to be really, really, uh, really careful. The other thing that you see a lot of too is that I'll just live off my interest and dividends on my stocks and bonds, and I'm only going to invade principal if I need long-term care. Well, 
We have dividends, you know, on the S&P 500 under 2%. Overseas, you can get a bit more. Um, bonds are the lowest yields that, you know, historical lows. So, yeah, if you're 65 and you can start off by living off of 2% of your portfolio, maybe, um, that means you're typically very wealthy and that you'll be able to adjust for inflation. So you can't, if you're, if you're 65 and your dividends and interest are just enough now, you're going to have to adjust for inflation. So that's not a correct assumption. And eventually we'll fight inflation because inflation has been extremely low. And that's another one that I've seen out there, and you get a push to that. I'll just use gold to fight inflation. Right. And that, to me, is just crazy. I mean, if inflation comes into play, I like to buy tips, treasury inflation, protected bonds. Buying gold tends to uh, <laughs> not work out well for people, especially when it's the gold coin type thing, right? Sure. I'm getting a lot uh, of questions about gold right now, just FYI. Yeah, and it's, you know, obviously because it dropped a lot last year, so people are maybe bottom fishing. I don't mind wealthy people owning some physical gold at all. Um, but The last the say, last real time I wanted to own gold, Chad, was when I was the Queen of England in 1600s, and I, I commanded people go out around the world, explore for it, and bring it back to me. And then you were I can't make a case. I cannot Black. make a case for gold. What's up? <laughs> and then you were reincarnated as Rob Black. Yes. Sucks to be the Queen <laughs> of England, huh? You'd think, you'd think you'd be reincarnated as something a little bit better than Rob Black. <laughs> All right, another, another couple of them out of there is um, I've not saved enough, so I'll just invest more aggressively. And a lot of people think that way, and then they get to the first market correction, they panic, and they sell everything and turn their losses into real losses. Um, I've got a really cool uh, tool at the website now, chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com, which is what is your risk number? Um, and it tells you, you know, you can take a few questions and see what probability, you know, you're in the next six months, are you able to deal with in terms of upside and downside risk? Nice. Most people are much lower than they think because they haven't seen a correction in five years. So I don't think most That's people can CFP like that. Chad Burton talking about dangerous assumptions in retirement. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. <laughs> I was just speaking with CFP Chad Burton, and you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He's got a lot of really good downloads, and one of the downloadables that he has is your risk number. And this is kind of important. I don't want to put too much on this, but you and your partner should be pretty similar in the way you approach money and investing and savings, um, and the way you approach risk. I've gotten a lot of emails recently from people who are a little spooked. And that's a good sign for me. Um, because they tend to make not the right decisions. And that helps me stand out a little bit better. Um, but you can find your risk number. Chad, like I said, has a downloadable at newfocusfinancial.com. It's good to know. Like, don't live in the world of, I'm going to ignore this. Live in the world of, I'm going to embrace this. 
Shopper show, very big restraint, despite savings at the pump. Retail sales slumped in January for a second straight month. It's a tough month to really get a good gauge on January because you do have that Christmas hangover kind of thing going on. U.S. retail sales were weak. Consumer spending barely rose. Initial jobless claims rose more than expected. It's still a pretty good number. The headlines makes it look like the trend's going the wrong way, and it is, but it's still a pretty good number. And again, sometimes initial jobless claims, you could fire someone, and it's like a Thursday, and you're like, well, I'll go to unemployment on Monday. It's too cold outside. I'll read about it on the Internet this weekend, and then I'll, I'll take care of it on Tuesday. Price of cocoa has gone up in the last year. The main ingredient in chocolate. Um, odd truth about me, I don't really like chocolate. I don't know, that makes me a, a freak. Freaks come out at night. Um, the amount of chocolate Americans bought last year rose 1.2%. 2.2 billion pounds. Oompa loompa. Americans are just a big bunch of oompa loompas who have to drive minivans to uh, kind of throw open the doors and waddle into it. Um, $13.6 billion last year in chocolate. Tesla, their loss widened. Their deliveries fell short. Their CEO predicted brighter days in 2015. Too much of a Civil War stock for me. There's people that hate it. There's people that love it. There's people that love it even though with the valuations don't make any sense. And I live in a world where valuations have to make sense. So sometimes I'll leave an opportunity. And, you know, if you want it, take it. Facebook's now going to let you decide what happens to your profile when you die. They rolled out an update today to let you decide what happens when your profile, ultimately after you die, you would choose a legacy contact. You can manage your account when you pass away or tell Facebook that you want your profile permanently deleted. Um, so it's not totally managed after you die. But we have a guy here at Cron who just recently passed away, and he was beloved by people. Um, and it was weird because most people got the news by looking at his Facebook links. Um, and it is, you know, this is an issue that Facebook needed to put on their agenda to talk about. Online travel agency Expedia is buying orbits for $1.3 billion. Um, obviously, that's going to help other companies who are, who are left standing. TripAdvisor, for instance. There's fewer people out there to compete against. Uh, I don't understand. If you take a look at what Expedia owns, I don't understand why so many of these companies came public. Like, it seems, and this is going to be kind of snarky for me just to say, but we kind of need to crack down at some point in time of, does this company really need to be publicly traded? Because a lot of times what's happening is the executives are getting rich, the insiders are getting rich, Company comes public, company goes on to basically do nothing. Um, and you can take a great look at that is GM. They go bankrupt, and four or five years ago, they came out at 34 bucks, and it moves to like 38 over five years. Uh, do, they, do they need to be publicly traded? It doesn't feel like it to me. So Expedia, to me... You obviously compete against Priceline. 
uh, Travelocity, and they used to compete against Orbitz. They're a market leader in online travel services, but they're also like so much more than just Expedia. They own Hotwire, Hotels.com, Classic Vacations, a Chinese travel service called Elong. It just feels to me like, um, I don't know. I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say here. Like, we don't really need this many travel companies to be publicly traded, to have access to public markets. Because Orbitz, it's a joke that they're gone. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A couple other stories out there today. Over a billion records have been compromised in 2014. That's a lot. And hopefully you can acknowledge that that's a lot. Cyber attacks. Home Depot, J.P. Morgan, eBay, Anthem Blue Cross. Like, whoa. There's a rumor out there today that Apple's working on a car. Oh, God, really? Like, really? I want one. Apple hires a lot of employees, and they've been hiring a lot of Tesla employees in the last year. Um, so it doesn't seem totally strange. And last year, board member Mickey Drexler who's a fashion retail god. Uh, when you think, like, Capri Pants and how Gap knocked it out of the you know, park, that was him. What's interesting is he's not very fashionably dressed for a guy who's into fashion. He's a big uh, jeans and a white T-shirt kind of guy. Foreclosure activity rose 5% last month. Number of properties in foreclosure up, driven by a jump in bank repossessions. A nationwide increase in scheduled foreclosure auctions in 21 states, uh, coming off somewhat, somewhat artificially lower levels as states kind of slowed down. American Express is losing its Costco exclusivity. They said the 16-year-old exclusive relationship with warehouse club Costco will end next year. This is a company that's been coming up short in its revenue goals. You can own American Express. I have no problem with that. It's a play on American business. In the rock, scissors, paper world, I tend to prefer Visa um, or a credit card company themselves, like Capital One, as my financial play on transactions. Um, American Express is close, and it's certainly a great long-term name, but in this case, I'm going to say close, but no cigar for me. If you want it, I get it. Restaurants and bars had a huge month of January inside the retail sales numbers. Think about that because there's some investments out there that you should be taking a look at. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now for the segment, Chris Siaccia from TheStreet.com. How are you, Mr. Siaccia? Good, Rob. How are you doing? Doing well. How's New York treating you? It's cold, it's bitter, and I can't wait to come back out to the West Coast. Does that tell you anything? <laughs> we welcome you whenever you come. Just bring your flip-flops. <laughs> With that said, uh, you got you said some pretty good stories for us to talk about today, so let's get into them. Tesla, they reported numbers yesterday. Revenue was a little on the weak side. Delivery is a little on the weak side. Earnings definitely on the weak side. Uh, what what did you make of the quarter? And, and let's talk about the future of this company. You know, Tesla's future is kind of all over the map. It's almost like they want to be all things to all people. And what I mean by that is they want to sell a luxury car, a luxury SUV, a mass market car, and then they even kind of hinted last night about changing the storage game, or the energy storage game. So what I, Musk talked about, you know, potentially having a home charger that you could work on the grid. And I think a lot of that is, you know, a lot of Tesla's valuation is based off them changing the energy storage game. But... You know, Musk being who he is and being the salesman that he is, he has set the bar so high for what Tesla can and could be. You know, it's just, it's almost unbelievable sometimes, and I have to laugh at myself. And sometimes I, you know, just find myself shaking my head at what Musk says. But then sometimes they come out and do it, but then sometimes they can't. But, you know, Tesla is, you know, wants to be all things to all people, and I, I think that, you know, they're certainly a very ambitious company, and, you know, we'll see what they have to, to, to do in the next, you know, three to five years as electric vehicles become, you know, a bigger part of the car market, and they really get serious about changing the energy storage game as well. It's a stock that I tend to tell people to be very careful about because, it's hyper growth. It's everything's hyper about it, and therefore it's going to be bigger moves up, bigger moves down. But at a twenty-five billion dollar market cap, and I look at investing as learning to compare. So you compare Tesla to like a Ford, um, and how many cars do they sell? How many? You know, what are the earnings per car? Because in the end, Tesla manufactures product, right? Like this has to end badly in as far as market cap goes, unless. They, you know, become a top two car maker. Do you think? I mean, can they become a top two car maker? Is that ridiculous to say out loud? Because it feels ridiculous to say out loud from my my world. Does it in your world? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a really volatile stock, and it's not something I would say to anybody or recommend to anybody. And again, I can't recommend because I'm not a financial advisor. But somebody was just asking me off the cuff. I would certainly say, you know, it's not money I would be looking if, – if you needed that money within the next three to six months, you know, for a down payment on a house or your kid's college fund or something like that, I wouldn't say put it in Tesla because it, it, you're right, it is very volatile. But you know what? It, the, the potential for this company is enormous, and it's not just cars. It's really just, you know, changing energy as well. Sure. The, the, a lot of people have the, suggested that if we got into the car battery business. Yeah, I mean, the car battery business is a, is a huge opportunity for them. And then, you know, selling energy back to the grid is an enormous opportunity to the tunes of, you know, trillions of dollars. 
and if they were ever actually able to really capitalize on that, that's really where I think Tesla's value lies. And I've talked to a whole bunch of different investors, some really people, you know, who are a lot smarter than myself, and and that's kind of you know what they see, you know, as Tesla's endgame being. So you know, it's not something for the faint of heart. That's for sure. So let's talk your other big story that you pitched me, Chris, and I love this one. Spider-Man and the Avengers reunited by Disney and Sony. How did this come about? Because I know that Sony was, they had Spider-Man, and Disney's got Marvel, and it, it seemed like there would never be a, a tie-in. You know, as a, as a big comic book movie geek myself, this was pretty cool to see the other day. It kind of stems from the fact that Sony's real, realized that the Spider-Man universe and their ability to make Spider-Man movies is not anywhere near as profitable and as entertaining of what Disney and Marvel have done with the Marvel universe. You know, the Avengers movie was a monster hit. Iron Man movies draw big dollars, and they've been able to come out with some of the lesser-known characters like Thor... Um, who've had really successful movies. And Spider-Man is, you know, probably one of the top three or four characters in the Marvel Universe after Iron Man, the Hulk, and maybe Captain America. So what the deal is, is Spider-Man will enter the Marvel Universe in an unnamed movie, you know, in the next year or so. And a lot of people are speculating that that's the next Captain America movie, which I think is due out in 2016. And then they'll have a standalone movie rebooting Spider-Man yet again in 2017. Part of the problem with the Spider-Man movies is not just the fact that the Spider-Man universe is not nearly as um, interesting as, you know, the Marvel universe is, is itself, but it's almost, you know, a little bit of like overkill at this point. We're on, we've been had five Spider-Man movies since 2002. That's a lot. Um, and there's only so many times you can tell the same story in only so many different ways you can tell the same story. So, you know, to see him interjected into the entire Marvel Universe is different than what we've seen in the past. And bringing new creative minds on board to change the Spider-Man movies, but, you know, the standalone Spider-Man movies is, you know, potentially something, you know, that I think maybe... Uh, and put some new life in, into, you know, Spider-Man movies. And it's, you know, hopefully, you know, moviegoers take to it. And, you know, the box office results, you know, are worth worth the venture for both Sony and Disney. So Sony and Disney are, in theory, enemies, or they work in the same business um, with different bosses. Is this purely a financial move where Sony's saying, okay, we get it, Disney, you market better, you do product better, you do scripts better? Is Sony giving a license to Disney to use the characters? Is it that simple? Well, Sony's not making a dime off of this from what I've read. Really? And, and spoke to, you know, a couple people in the industry. Yeah. They essentially gave Spider-Man to Disney for free. And the, the rationale is, is that by putting Spider-Man in the larger Marvel Universe, that when they actually do the standalone Spider-Man movie, and they've got some other properties that they're working on, I think like Sinister Six and potentially Venom as well, you know, that it makes the box office for those bigger. Okay. So Sony is kind of hoping that by 
Spider-Man being in a larger uni- a larger movie that it helps their business down the line. But they're not making any money from from Disney right now. And you know that's a great move by Bob Iger over at Disney to basically get Peter Parker and Spider-Man for nothing. That's impressive. I would have thought there had to be some sort of kickback, some sort of kickback. But um, I guess making the comic book universe bigger is the kickback. Anything else that you're working on, right now, Chris, that uh, adds a, a little color to uh, stock market day? I think you know, just to touch to to go back on the Tesla. I think some of the probably the most interesting thing that I've seen, you know, people talking about right now is the fact that on last night's conference call, Elon Musk compared Tesla to Apple, and I kind of chuckled at that. Um, he said, he, you know, to paraphrase Musk, that if the company continues to grow off the $6 billion in revenue that they did this year at like around 30% a year for the next 10 years or so, and they get a 20 earnings multiple, that they would then be worth $700 billion, which is what Apple's worth today. And I thought to myself, man, this guy really believes in this company, but to a level that even I didn't think was possible. And Elon's very, very ambitious, and, you know, he's got some dreams that, you know, cease to never cease to amaze me and the media and investors as well. But to compare yourself to the most profitable and the biggest company in the world when you haven't even earned a dime on a, a regular accounting basis is pretty ambitious and, Almost made me shake, or it made me shake my head, and it's like, okay, Elon, now, now it's time to start proving yourself because, you know, the stock, you know, is taking a little bit of a hit because they missed fourth quarter results or estimates, and they said that spending this year is going to be, you know, really pretty, uh, pretty high, you know. Now it's time for Tesla to start, for, for Tesla and Musk to start walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. I know this is going to sound crazy, but um, or this is going to sound off the cuff. The thing that I think is Tesla's biggest enemy is going to be CarPlay, because I just saw a video of Google's CarPlay and Apple's CarPlay, and some of the perks that Tesla has, other than being an electric car, is its you know in dash uh, app center thing that it has going. I'm nervous. I'm I'm excitedly nervous for Elon Musk because if he dies or if he resigns or I mean that that stock would go it would get hit hard. You're you're absolutely right, Rob, and that's a point that I made yesterday in the live blog that we were running with regards to earnings is that if I was an investor in Tesla, one of the problem one of the issues that I would have is that not only is Elon spreading himself very thin between Thanks. running SpaceX and Tesla. Chris, I got to cut you off, unfortunately. It's Chris Siaccio with a street dot com. Chris Siaccio with a street dot com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. <clears throat> Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, there was an interesting story out there tied towards, of all things, Apple. I own shares of Apple. So please note that I disclose that so that you don't think I'm doing a fluff piece in order of doing a pluff, puff piece. Um, what's interesting to note about the story on Apple today is it's talking about Apple making a car. So we haven't heard that one. We haven't heard that one in a while. There was times where we've heard it, kind of, and we're like, I don't know about that. The watch was rumored for years. The TV has been rumored even more than the watch. The watch is coming to fruition. Will Apple eventually do a TV? I think so. I think they need to figure out, you know, how do they get content onto it, or who gives them content, or who doesn't give them content. I think that's got the content industry a little freaked out. Um, so, talk a little bit about Apple in a car. It's not as crazy as you think. Mickey Drexler, who runs, or uh, used to run Gap, and... Uh, He's had a, you know, a storied career in apparel retail. He talked about, he's a board member. He talked about how a couple of years ago, or back when Steve Jobs was alive, he knew that Steve wanted to design a car. And Apple has Jonathan Ives, who is this amazing industrial designer. So they have the talent. They've been hiring a lot of people from Tesla. Steve wanted to do it in the past. That's two. There's a guy named Brian Chafin. He's a co-founder of Apple site called the Mac Observer. He's certain Apple's working on a car after talking to sources. Uh, an Apple employee told the, uh, a company called Business Insider that they were working on something, quote, in vehicle development that would give Tesla a run for its money. Okay, vehicle development. Car batteries, operating systems, and or car. Right. So the reporter continues to look around for more signs that Apple might be making a car. Starts talking to people, and uh, you know Tesla people. Hey, it's that's still there. We got it. Uh, there's another source that he uses in his story, and he's talking about some of the people in Silicon Valley who are venture capitalists, and just talking with them. And it's very circumstantial, but if you crowdsource wisdom. Going to venture capitalists not a bad place to go for potential rumors or ideas that are being developed. Um, his source of venture capitalists said 80% chance that they're building a car. Um, so you start piecing together all these ideas and concepts, and they're definitely going to do something with a car. I saw CarPlay yesterday, and it's pretty cool how your phone will hook up with your... <clears throat> car experience. And what's interesting is Microsoft and Google had a better experience, um, but Apple wasn't that far behind. So I don't really, I probably won't comment on this type of story again until there's a real good source, <clears throat> but it is interesting, and, and I'm not going to deny that. So the market started to do better this morning at... 6.30 Pacific time, the market opens up. 
but at around 6, 5.30, you kind of see the futures. The futures kind of tell you, you know, what way the market's leaning, probably from world news. And this morning we lean higher, probably because of another ceasefire coming out of Minsk between Ukraine and Russia. Um, does it hold? Is it, a, is it real? That's where you start kind of getting into, damn it, I wish I had a better answer for you, angles. The Euro Group and Greece continue to negotiate on Greece, strengthening energy, financials, materials, and technology, weakness in consumer staples, healthcare, telecom services, and utilities. Um, some other stories of note today in the world of rock, scissors, paper, we got a pretty good initial jobless claims rise. Um, and that headline is negative, but it's still very conducive and supportive of a healthy expanding labor market, which we did see on Friday's jobs numbers. So I'm optimistic. I'm constructive. I don't like that we're at all-time highs right now for the year. It feels a little forced. Uh, earning season is always one of those ones that you do want to pay attention to. And we are seeing headwinds come out of foreign exchange currencies. And we're starting to see some tailwinds out of cheaper gas prices. Um, that's not going to last forever, but for now it looks pretty good. Um, and a stronger dollar does help the U.S. economy, even if it does hurt um, foreign ability to buy some of our product. 800-516-1220 um, to get your calls in the air. Tesla's a stock that got hit pretty hard this morning, but it started to recover. And one of the things that really infuriated me was Elon Musk saying that he could see in 10 years having the same market cap as Apple. And Apple, I mean, you have to be pretty, you got to have cojones to say that because he's expecting 30% growth each year for the next 10 years. Um, I, I love the man, and I think there's a lot to be said for the battery technology. Um, but I wouldn't talk about my own stock that way for legal reasons, but on top of it for, you don't really want to attract that kind of investor. Hey, I've always got webinars coming up. You can sign up for one right now at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Learn more about me at robblack.com. Talk to you soon. You can find me online at robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.